You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. the Jets, fuck the Jets, fuck the fucking Jets, fuck the Jets, fuck the Jets, fuck the fucking Jets, fuck the Jets, fuck the Jets, fuck the fucking Jets, fuck the Jets, fuck the Jets, fuck the Jets, fuck the Jets, fuck them. Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Brain, we we missed you these past couple of shows. We did. It was it was a we couldn't uh, figure out a way to get everything in place so that we could record together. For the 49er preview show, and then uh, you had a- an off-the-field issue that prevented you from coming on and doing the recap show with me after the 49ers game, so you missed that show too. Luckily, I was able to hop on with Tom uh, from the DolphinsTalk.com podcast, and he and I were able to chop it up a little bit and talk about the 49ers game, but I wanted to give you an opportunity res- to respond to it because this was not just your average run-of-the-mill Miami Dolphins performance, this was, you know, this was a pretty impressive showing from your Miami Dolphins. Absolutely. I mean, it was as good a Dolphins performance as I can remember over the past several years. I know Tom brought up uh, that game against the Houston Texans in 2015, and he's probably right. That's probably the last time the Dolphins put a complete effort like that together. Although, I'll say it wasn't terribly different than the performance that they put up against Jacksonville in Week 3, which really kind of... uh, it, it kind of puts into focus the that whole, like, well, what is this team? Because twice against probably inferior opponents, uh, the Dolphins look dominant, but then three times against three really good teams, uh, they looked overmatched. And that's not to say that they were blown out in those games against New England, Buffalo, and Seattle, because they weren't. They had opportunities in each of those games. Uh, but they were clearly the lesser team in those three matchups, and they fought hard to keep those games as close as they were. But against inferior opponents, they really took care of business. And uh, it, it, it's just interesting to see how this plays out because are they, at, at a certain point, 
look, not every team that you play is going to be bad and not every team that you play is going to be great. You, The majority of the time, the teams that you're playing just simply on percentages because the majority of the league tends to be in that 6-10 and 10 to 10-6 and 6 area. The, the majority of the teams that you play should be in that same, like, whether you want to call it mediocre or slightly above mediocre, slightly below mediocre, those are the majority of the teams that you're going to play. And ultimately what's going to determine how successful this team is, is probably their performance in those games. Uh, And, you know, we'll get into this Jets game that's coming up because they're probably the most inferior team on the Dolphins schedule, if not in the entire NFL this year. But I was listening to the podcast and, you know, I agreed with a lot of what you guys were talking about. Obviously, it was exciting. Ryan Fitzpatrick is, you know, had the offense humming. Uh, You know, Chan Gailey deserves a lot of respect. Obviously, getting Byron Jones back and seeing what this defense can do when Josh Boyer really, like, dials up the pressure. You know, it's exciting. I get it. But... You guys are talking about playoffs and, you know, that, that's okay because I, I think that there is a legit chance that this team could challenge for, for a playoff spot as the season progresses. I think we're a little early yet to really be looking at the schedule and saying, hey, that, that week 16 game against the Raiders, that's going to be for a playoff spot. I, I, I think we're way too early to do that. We've been down this road several times as Dolphins fans. A couple of years ago, the Dolphins started 3-0, and and everybody was losing their mind that, hey, Adam Gase is a great coach again, and the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs. We might win the division. And then, what did we finish? 6-10, and 7-9? I mean, come on. Uh, it, it's a little early, and then we're talking about how special and electric this team is going to be, and I'm excited, you know, for the future of this team. It's exciting to see this team coming together and continuing to make progress each and every week, which builds uh, right, you know, right from where they left off last year. It, you you're feeling more and more confident with with Brian Flores and this coaching staff and Chris Greer and this plan and this blueprint and you still got the ultimate piece that has yet to take the field in Tua Vialoa and you got all these draft picks and this money it's exciting i get it but let's put it into perspective that we beat an extremely beat up San Francisco 49ers team. This was not the San Francisco 49ers team that had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. This is a drastically different team with injuries all over the field, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And look, we put pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo and we, and you know, some of his poor play certainly is a credit to the Dolphins' defense, certainly. But he looked awful. That is not the Jimmy Garoppolo that was, you know, starting in the Super Bowl. When you look at that, when you look at the Dolphins' two dominant performances, the same way you look at the three losses and and you say, well, you know, it was against Seattle and New England and Buffalo, and that's three really good teams. Well, you gotta do the same thing with the wins. Jacksonville is one and four. 
The 49ers now are two and three, but their two wins are against the Giants and the Jets who are combined 0-10. The San Francisco 49ers have lost to the Arizona Cardinals, a team that, you know, you said on that last podcast, I'm not too impressed with them. They've lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, who have been pretty dreadful. And then they got beat by the Miami Dolphins. I don't know what this Dolphins team is right now. If I had to guess, they're somewhere in the middle because they looked overmatched against really good teams and they completely overwhelmed really bad teams or a team that's good, but, you know, is just throwing a mash unit out there. So I think we got to pump the brakes. It's exciting. You should be excited. But let's not go overboard. We're two and three. It's a long season. And it's the it's the Dolphins we're talking about. Like, there's nothing more same old Dolphins than going into a mid-October game thinking, we're going to make the playoffs and this is our year. Let's let's learn from the past 30 years or so <laughs> and take a step back, appreciate all of the good things that this team did last week, and then say, let's move on to the Jets. Well, I think you make some good points there about not getting too far out ahead of ourselves, but I also think that it's an important measuring stick to see how this team does against teams like the 49ers and teams like the Jaguars and particularly teams like the Jets. Because as you look at the Miami Dolphins schedule, there's a whole run of games coming up against teams that you might very well consider to be inferior opponents. And if the Dolphins can continue to go through those kinds of games with these kinds of performances and then figure out how to win a couple of those close, tough games against tougher opponents, you're looking at this team, I think, at that point through an entirely different lens. Yes, we got a long way to go. We got to get through those run of opponents and and win those games first before we can say, okay, this team has truly turned a corner. But like I said, it was an exciting game and it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch the team execute. And that now leads us to this game against the Jets that we're going to talk about in just a moment, which there are now expectations for this team as to how they should perform against the Jets. Obviously, every Dolphins fan always wants to beat the Jets. That's part of our thing, right? We, we hate the Jets and we want to, we want to smash their heads in and, and beat them into a pulp. But it's, it's oftentimes been easier said than done. But now you've got a Dolphins team that seems to be performing well against inferior opposition going into a game against the Jets, who are one of, if not the worst team in the National Football League this season. And there are some pretty healthy expectations. And how the team performs against the Jets is going to go a long way, at least in coloring the perception of this team going forward. If they if they struggle against the Jets and eke out a win or, God forbid, lose this game on Sunday— Obviously, that changes perceptions. If they go into this game against the Jets and they steamroll them the way that they steamrolled the 49ers and the Jaguars, there's a different kind of conversation and a different kind of narrative forming. We're going to get into that game in just a moment. 
Before we do that, we need to talk about the news that sort of captured the hearts and minds and imaginations of every single Miami Dolphin fan on Twitter, at least until Twitter went down on Thursday for a couple of hours in the late afternoon, which is in fact when the news broke that Le'Veon Bell was going to be signing a one-year contract with the Kansas City Chiefs. Why is that news to a Dolphin fan? Well, unless you're living under a rock, you probably know that news broke earlier in the day on Thursday that the Miami Dolphins were one of the final three teams that Bell was considering uh, spending the rest of this season with. And it was Kansas City, it was the Dolphins, and Buffalo was the other team that he was looking at. And, you know, the, the word on the street was that the Dolphins were really waving around some cash and really trying to lure Le'Veon Bell into a deal with the Dolphins. In fact, offering perhaps more than just a one-year deal, maybe offering two or three deals and, and spending some money to do it. We're willing to spend some money to do it. Uh, ultimately, he decided to sign with the Chiefs because he values winning and he wants to win a Super Bowl. And obviously, I think when you look at the the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are clearly the team that give him the best chance of doing that right now. So what what is there to talk about on this, really? Because look, he signed with the Chiefs. He's not going to be a part of the Dolphins. It's in the past. So what is there to talk about? And really, what I think there is to talk about, and this is a very important point, is what we've learned from the mere fact that Miami was in on Le'Veon Bell to begin with. Because I can tell you that if this situation had arisen last year, I don't think we would have seen the Dolphins involved in this negotiation at all. And the fact of the matter is that now, as we find ourselves in mid-October of 2020, year two of the Chris Greer-Brian Flores rebuild of the Miami Dolphins, this is a football team, this is an organization that views themselves as a contender, as a team on the rise, as a team that is not terribly far away from being amongst the top dogs in the AFC specifically or the NFL in general. This is a team that has very high aspirations and expectations for itself. So they went in on this move to to bring in a high profile skill player. This is a guy on, you know, the back end of his 20s. He which, you know, is still pretty young, especially when you look at a guy like Adrian Peterson who's going to play until he's 63 years old. But you have a, a the Dolphins going out and looking to bring in this kind of high profile skill player, which is an indication that this is a team that has its sights set on something, which is the kind of move that I think is really exciting for a lot of Dolphin fans because that's about where this team is, where they are ready to start bringing in some flashier players and some bigger names and some other skill players so that they can really sort of round out the talent that they have. They have this nice receiving core right now with Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, but they're probably looking for another big-time flashy wide receiver. They've got Miles Gaskin and Matt Breida doing a pretty good job in the backfield and looking good, but this would have obviously been a substantial upgrade in that backfield, particularly as it um, pertains to the passing game. So 
This is a team that is now looking to make these kind of deals, which tells you where they are in their development and where they are in this rebuild. And I think that's pretty exciting. The other side of the coin is that eyes that are on this team that are looking at this organization, not through the lens of its own development, but through the lens of this is where we are in the NFL right now and where does this team stand? Obviously, it appears that not too many other people outside of the Dolphins organization view the Dolphins as a contender. Yes, certainly a team on the rise and a team to keep an eye on, but they are not a team that a lot of other people are looking at and thinking right now that this is a team that is within striking distance or this is a team that is maybe a year away from being within striking distance. So the big takeaway for me on this Le'Veon Bell situation is the Dolphins consider themselves to be a team on the rise, a team that is improving, but the perception elsewhere is not yet there for the Dolphins. And that's okay because there are still 11 games left in the 2020 season. And if the Dolphins can go through the rest of this 2020 season building on what they did against Jacksonville, building on what they did against San Francisco, and finding ways to grit out and tough out a couple of wins against some of those sort of more upper-tier opponents. When we get to the next offseason, the offseason before the 2021 season, the perceptions of free agents, the perceptions of coaches of this organization and I mean if and if it's important to you the perception of the national media and how they perceive the dolphins is going to change and it's going to change for the better and that is a good thing so I am happy with how things played out right now I'm not brokenhearted that the dolphins didn't get Le'Veon Bell I think it obviously would have been a boon to us but I'm like I said I'm not brokenhearted because I think we're doing just fine with Miles Gaskin and Matt Breida for what we need them to do right now and I think that is perfectly okay and I'm ready to go through the rest of the season with these guys and with this core that we have but you know it was a fun couple of days fantasizing about Le'Veon Bell coming into Miami. Brain, do you have any thoughts on any of that? Well, my biggest thought is just how hilarious it is that uh, Le'Veon Bell, a year and a half after (laughs) signing that mega deal with the New York Jets, just gets released for nothing. And it's just such an Adam Gase move to have a star player so unhappy that he gets released for nothing uh, just a few weeks after he was essentially their franchise player, uh, a pillar of the franchise. But as far as the Dolphins' pursuit of Le'Veon Bell, I think it's I think the most interesting thing is the rumor that the Dolphins supposedly offered more than a one-year deal, and I think that the biggest thing there. Yes, I I think what you what you hit on as your biggest takeaway that the Dolphins. We're going after Le'Veon Bell when this isn't supposed to be a year where the Dolphins are quote-unquote going for it or trying to quote-unquote win now. They're looking at it and they're saying, we can win now. And that's important and I think it's it speaks to the confidence that both uh, Brian Flores and Chris Greer have in what they've built so far and with you know, all the pieces that they still have left to play with, 
with all of the draft picks and the money that they have left to spend and all the flexibility there, that part of it is really exciting. But I think it's also very telling that this rumor comes out that they were going to give more than a one-year deal to Le'Veon Bell. Because what that tells me is, look, obviously Le'Veon Bell is an upgrade over over Miles Gaskin and Matt Breida. But it tells me that they're looking for an upgrade over Miles Gaskin and Matt Breida. And I know that's not like shocking news because Miles Gaskin, as much as we all love what he's doing right now, and he's just uh, been the most pleasant surprise probably on the entire roster because we're talking about a seventh round pick from a year ago who most people didn't see as anything more than the team's third or maybe fourth running back coming into the season. And now he's not just the starter, but he's just an integral part of what this offense is trying to do. Uh, as much as we love what Miles Gaskin is doing, it's it's clear that he has his limitations and that the Dolphins are interested in bringing in an elite back. Uh, the fact that they... Uh, would be willing to spend a lot of money on an elite back if the rumor was true. That's a little surprising because I, just in general, I'm not a big fan of the idea of using a big cap number on Le'Veon Bell. But before we go into like the minutia of what the contracts that they offered may or may not have been, because we're probably never going to know that, uh, just in general, I'm I'm probably more happy that the that the deal didn't get done because look, if we're gonna go after some free agents next year, I'm not sure that I want, you know, some 10, 12 million dollar cap number tied up in in a running back. I would much rather spend that money on whether it's a linebacker or a defensive lineman or you know, maybe another offensive lineman or, you know, uh, you know, another cornerback or another safety, another person that's going to help us in the defensive backfield. That's really going to make that kind of impact that you can sign for like a three, four, five year deal that you can, you know, you foresee yourself winning a championship with. I would rather them go that route and draft a running back that you're going to have under team control for five years. Yeah, that's the key thing, especially about running backs now, because you can get them in the draft and they're not sort of valued in the same way that they used to be. And they, you know, you hate to say that running backs are a dime a dozen because they're not, because when you get a truly elite running back, it really does make a difference. But you can get a truly elite running back in the draft in the second round in the third round even. So, you know, and then when you're the, the price you're paying for that rookie that you've drafted in the second or third round is substantially lower than the price that you're paying for a guy like Le'Veon Bell. So, I mean, I, even a first round, even a first rounder, I mean, your rookie salary uh scale it's 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 capped. So, uh, you're not paying a ton, even if even if the Dolphins wanted to use their first pick in the draft on like a Najee Harris from from Alabama, uh, if if that's where they where they ended up wanting to go, like you, he's going to be considerably cheaper than Le'Veon Bell. 
Can you imagine the uproar if the Dolphins spent a top 10 pick, which there's an outside shot that they're getting a a better than outside shot that they're going to end up with a top 10 pick based on where Houston ends up this year. And if the Dolphins decided to spend that pick on a running back rather than continuing to build the defensive line. Well, I mean, you got a bunch of picks like you 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 go best player available. It's not like running back is not a need. Um, you want, this team wants to run the football. Um, I, like I said, you like Miles Gaskin. Matt Breida is a nice piece, but he's not a guy that's going to be running between the tackles, uh, very much. And obviously we've got Jordan one yard back there. I mean, we're, we're going to need a running back. Jordan uh, so, one yard is very good. Very well, good. You said it was awful, uh, like a week ago. What, what? I, well, I, I didn't listen. have I didn't sell it as well. I no. kind of because I kind of no, came up was with it on the spot, and the delivery wasn't as good. But the more I've thought about it, the more fitting I think it is, and it, I I like it. So that's who he is. He's no more Kalen. There's no more Kalen garbage. It's now Jordan One Yard. I love it, Jordan One Yard. We're going with it. And the other thing that we're going with is a preview of the Jets game. But before we get there, we got to talk about all of these people who were hiding out in the bushes, reporting on what Le'Veon Bell was doing. Oh, he was spotted here. Oh, he was spotted here. And all of these people were hiding out and trying to sneak in their scoops. But the problem with these people was that they weren't using Manscaped. So they really weren't as down low and low profile as they could have been. But they were in the bushes. They were in the bushes. And that's the problem. So if you don't want to be in the bushes, you got you to gotta whip out your lawnmower 3.0. Your lawnmower 3.0 is going to make sure that you don't get stuck in the bushes. And if you go to manscaped.com right now, and you use the promo code Dolphins Talk, all one word, you're going to save 20% off your first order. You're going to get free shipping and you're not going to get caught in the bushes. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. So listen, if you're going to be out there on the streets stalking free agents, trying to figure out what their next move is going to be, you need to make sure you are visiting Manscaped. Dot com and using the promo code Dolphins Talk. Let's be honest, you probably need to be doing that even if you're not stalking around in the bushes. I mean, even if you're just hanging out at home, you're hanging out, you got your, your special someone there. They're going to really appreciate it if you take care of yourself, gentlemen. They're going to appreciate it if you go to manscaped.com, get yourself a lawnmower 3.0. Get yourself uh, some ball toner. Get yourself some ball deodorant. They're going to appreciate you. And you're going to appreciate them. So head to manscaped.com. Enter the promo code Dolphins Talk at checkout. You'll save 20% off your first order and get free shipping. You're going to be good to go to stock all the free agents that you want. Please note, Dolphins Talk does... DolphinsTalk.com does not condone stalking free agents or anybody else for that matter. Now, Brain, Adam Gase and the New York Jets. I had a buddy send me a message today that 
he was just he's he's sick and tired of it. He, he happens to be a Jets fan. I know I am friends with a couple of Jets fans. It's a real thing. Uh, but he's just he's disgusted and he's like he the biggest thing he's like congratulations on getting rid of Adam Gase. And I told him, hey, look, look on the bright side. Maybe Adam Gase will stick around all season before he gets fired and you'll end up with the number one pick and you'll end up with a new head coach and Trevor Lawrence and things will be better for you next year. At any rate, he, uh, he, he was mildly enthused about it, but he's just, it's really so funny to watch another team's fan base going through the same kind of emotions that we went through with Adam Gase, because the guy is a disaster. He is a ruiner. He he ruins everything he touches. I told somebody this week that Adam Gase is the opposite of King Midas. He, where King Midas, everything he touched turned to gold. With Adam Gase, everything he touches turns to shit. Even Peyton Manning, because Peyton Manning just you know it it he got a Super Bowl and then turned to shit. He didn't really turn to shit, but Adam Gaze really didn't have that much involvement. I don't care what anybody says. Peyton Manning is Peyton Manning. But ever since then, Adam Gaze is a disaster and he's led the New York Jets to being a disaster on both sides of the football. The second worst offense in the National Football League when it comes to yards per game. One of the worst defenses when it comes to yards per game allowed. Brain, this team is a mess. Oh, they're awful. <laughs> they're awful, and uh, it, and I love it. <laughs> I love how bad the Jets are. Now, look, I I want like obviously I want to destroy the Jets and you know end Adam Gase's coaching career, at least his head coaching career. Um, I mean, that'd be pretty cool if we ended his coaching career outright. That would be something. But I'm sure he'll get a job somewhere as a coordinator after this. But we don't we don't want the Jets to go 0-16. We we don't want the Jets to get Trevor Lawrence. What we need is we need to destroy the Jets enough to get Adam Gase fired so that they can find a way to win three, four, five games and end up just missing those top two picks so they don't get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields and you know they they keep riding this Sam Darnold train a little longer. Yeah, well, that would be that would be the ultimate in Schadenfreude to to watch the Jets deal with that. But <laughs> we, I, 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 you know, listen, I, I feel bad for my buddy. He he wants to be optimistic, and that's the the thing that I told him that he could be optimistic about is you know Trevor Lawrence is a real possibility for your football team if uh, Adam Gase sticks around. But let's take a look at how this. Dolphins team matches up. We said at the beginning of the show, the Dolphins have shown a propensity this year against teams that are inferior to them to really romp and do what they want to do. And I think there is an opportunity for them to do that against the Jets. So let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Brain, uh, the Jets have showed their not a great team defensively. So where is it that the Dolphins are going to have the most success? Are they going to have the most success letting Fitz cook? Are they going to have the most success, uh, you know, feeding the ball to uh, Miles Gaskin and Matt Breida and letting them run rampant quite literally over the Jets? Well, if there's one thing that the Jets defense does a decent job of is they they do all right stopping the run. Quinn and Williams is an absolute beast 
on the interior of that defensive line. And I know he's he's been a limited participant in practice this week, but all signs point to him playing. And I think he of I mean, really, he's he's probably the only player on that side of the football that the Dolphins really need to uh pay special attention to. So I mean, I, I would think that the the Dolphins should be, you know, double teaming Quinn and Williams so that they don't need to worry about interior pressure and you know, trying to run more towards the edges off tackle. Uh maybe, you know, or or even to the outside. But I really think where the Dolphins have their big edge in this game is against a very porous Jets secondary uh, that is similarly to what we saw against San Francisco. It's also a banged up secondary. It's 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 not deep. The, you know, obviously uh, the, the the Dolphins had great success against San Francisco throwing throwing the ball downfield to their big targets in, in Preston Williams and in Devontae Parker and even Mike Gesicki. And I think that's going to be very a very similar game plan. I think it's going to be a very similar story. I think the Jets have, uh, you know, they're not, they're not throwing somebody out there that was, you know, straight up off the practice squad like San Francisco did last week. But, that said, the Jets the Jets secondary is is nothing special. They're giving up uh, eight yards per passing attempt this year, which is second or third worst in the NFL. So there's definitely an advantage there for the Dolphins. And with Fitzpatrick and this offense feeling the momentum of last week, I think there's definitely uh, something there. Uh, for for the Dolphins to exploit, so I fully expect that to be the game plan. Obviously, you still got to run the football, and it's not like the Jets have been, you know, s- shutting down the run all year. I mean, they're twelfth in the league in opponents' yards per carry, which is it's solid, it's above average, but uh, it's not to say that the Dolphins won't be able to run the ball at all. San Francisco. I think has a, you know, not I think, San Francisco had a better run defense than than the Jets. And while the Dolphins didn't light up San Francisco on the ground, they got a serviceable ground game. And I think that's what you're looking real f- for out of this Dolphins offense probably the rest of the year, is you're not really going into any game saying, we got to run for 150 yards to win this game. That's not going to be what the Dolphins' M.O. is. I I think that's where this team would like to be in a year or two, and that's why they were going after a guy like Le'Veon Bell. But realistically, this is still a below-average rush offense, but it's just about being serviceable there, picking up positive yardage. And that's what I love so much about what Miles Gaskin does is his yards after contact, is that this guy will get hit a yard or two after the line of scrimmage and still pick up that extra yard or two. And so it's not like Jordan one yard who's getting hit one yard beyond the line of scrimmage and falling down right there. You're, you're getting Miles Gaskin and you're getting, you know, close to four yards a carry. And that's where you want to be. If the Dolphins could be right around that four yards per carry uh, range and get into those third and manageable situations, that's where Ryan Fitzpatrick can really take advantage 
of the matchups that they have because I I believe that the Jets are going to go into the, look it's, you're you're playing somebody else it's not like the Jets are going to just let the Dolphins do exactly what they want to do they're going to try to stop it and so the Jets counter to that is going to be we need to stop the Dolphins pass game so we're probably only going to rush four and probably try to drop drop back in coverage that means the onus is on Quinn and Williams and that Jets defensive line to win their battle and try to get the Dolphins in a negative down and distance so where Miami plays into their hands where it's third and long and they're going up and they're you know Fitzpatrick is trying to throw into you know seven guys you know in coverage so the, the the key is always you know when you have the ball it's it's first down uh but i look at what the dolphins did against san francisco last week and i say look it's the same game plan like make the jets prove that they can stop our receivers i think we've got a matchup advantage there and fits like you said fits should be cooking let's hope he is he he has shown a tendency to not be able to do it two games in a row or at least, at the very least, to be a little bit streaky. So hopefully he is continuing to streak in a good direction in this game. What about the other side of the ball? Listen, the, the Jets are going to be putting trotting out the ghost of Joe Flacco, and they've got Chris Herndon, uh, a very good tight end, and they also have the ghost of Frank Gore. Other than that, what is this Jets offense have that is going to threaten the Miami Dolphins not very much (laughs) Chris Hogan and Jamison Crowder oh Chris Hogan 7-11 baby he's always open Chris Hogan the Hulkster I am a real American do you listen so there's this thing right Joe Flacco has historically roasted the Dolphins (laughs) <laughs> well, <laughs> it's <laughs> except yeah. Kiko Alonso. He he didn't roast Kiko Alonso. Kiko Alonso got him pretty good, but right. It helps when your team is superior, right? You know, Joe Flacco. That what's the argument about Joe Flacco is that he's not an elite quarterback. He's just a very good game manager, and uh, you know those Ravens teams were pretty stacked all around him. And now he's on a Jets team that is as talent poor as they come. But on a, on a serious note, where is it? Where is it that the Dolphins are going to need to succeed? It seems to me that you know Jameson Crowder and and Chris Herndon are, are the guys that the Dolphins are going to you know want to lock them down because those are guys that can give them some problems so it seems to me that you say to the jets beat us with frank gore if you can beat us with frank gore and you know then adjust accordingly i think it's the middle of the field i think look you got you and tom touched on it uh, and you had that great stat uh about what this dolphins defense has been when x and byron jones have been on the field together and yeah, I thought it was important that you you gave the context of, you know, what exactly happened there as far as, you know, New England didn't really attack the perimeter against those two guys and they didn't really have to because they were busy running for over 200 yards. And then in this last game against San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, CJ Bethard were just awful. It's pronounced beat hard. 
Is it beat hard? Because I've always heard Bethard. Yeah, well, it is actually Bethard, but I mean, it's for purposes we of the podcast, hard. it's beat that, hard. that where we're going with it? I mean, he got beat hard. It's no Jordan one yard, but I, I'll take it. Well, it's it's literally the guy's name. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, but I think if there's a spot where the Jets could attack, uh, I think it's in the middle of the field. I think you look at what New England did when Byron Jones and Xavier Howard were on the field. They attacked the Dolphins in the slot with with uh, Julian Edelman. Um, Jamison Crowder is a guy they like to use in the slot. Chris Hogan is a guy that has experience working in the slot. Uh, are we going to see Nick Needham in the slot as we did much of the game last week? I would think probably just based on the success that the Dolphins had in their last game, but we might see, you know, Noe Benogany there. You might see Eric Rowe uh, come down, You or Brandon Jones, or, or even, you know, uh, Bobby McCain, although I think Bobby McCain is playing extremely well in his deep free safety spot and has been one of the unsung heroes that we haven't really talked about enough on this Dolphins roster. He's probably been the most consistent best player on this Dolphins defense so far this season. Honorable mention probably to Christian Wilkins, but uh, I think Bobby McCain has been without question the guy on the Miami Dolphins defense. But I think that you know, look, Kyle Van Noy is is questionable in this game. Uh, it's the, I mean, uh, Devon Godchow looks like he's out for the year with his biceps injury. Now I know that's not really going to affect the pass defense as much, but uh, it's again middle of the field. Uh, you're talking about the jet. If the Jets have an advantage offensively against the Dolphins' defense, and I'm not saying they do, but if there's potentially a spot for them it's the middle of the field it's the middle of the offensive line to the dolphins uh you know that means more playing time for both raekwon davis and zach sealer who have both done a you know a nice job albeit with limited snaps but that also means you're probably going to see some jason strobridge making his nfl debut uh so the the dolphins depth on the defensive line is probably going to be tested in this game and like I said, Kyle Van Noy out for this game or questionable for this game. Shaq Lawson questionable for this game. There are questions there on the Dolphins defense and especially with Van Noy and Lawson. Those are two guys that the Dolphins do use quite a bit to try to get after the quarterback. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how Josh Boyer dials up the pressure against a guy like Joe Flacco or... You know, Joe Flacco, not a guy that you're necessarily worried about. I mean, you're really not worried at all about Joe Flacco's athleticism or his ability to get out of the pocket or anything. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe you just, you, you know, you're okay with, uh, you know, Joe Flacco sitting back there. On the on the other hand, you know, maybe the fact that he's so stationary, you know, makes him that much easier a target to throw blitzes at. But Joe Flacco at this point in his career is a total shell of himself. Uh, he's no longer throwing the deep ball. I think that makes it so much easier to defend this team. And it's not like they've got these great wide receivers that you have to really account for uh, down the field. I think Miami could do 
you know, kind of the very similar thing to what they did against Jacksonville and San Francisco, which is kind of keep everything in front of you. Don't take any unnecessary gambles and just look, make the Jets with Joe Flacco and Frank Gore try to drive 10 to 15 plays because they, they haven't done it all year. Even with Sam Darnold, they're certainly not going to do it with, with Joe Flacco. It just really comes down to keep things in front of you, tackle, be fundamentally sound, don't beat yourself with mental mistakes and penalties, and the Dolphins' defense should be fine. And on the other side of the ball, if the Dolphins are able to put up points and get out to a big lead and make the Jets one-dimensional, then we can tee off on Flacco, uh, force some turnovers, and just really put the Jets in a world of hurt. This game has, like... As if the Dolphins come in and approach this game with the same energy and focus that they approached the San Francisco game last week, you should have a very similar result. This has blowout written all over it. I like the sound of that. We're going to talk about those predictions in just a moment. But first, as we always do here on the same old Dolphin show, send out a tweet. Asking the listeners for their hashtag one hot take ahead of Jets, Dolphins, and here are some of the responses. Mike from Dolphins Talk says the Jets offense won't cross the 50-yard line until the second half of this game. Austin Dobbins says the Miami Dolphins beat the New York Jets 31-13 and Devontae Parker has 150 yards and three touchdowns. Love it. At Haitian Doll Fan One says defense will score two touchdowns. Oh, two defensive scores. Uh, let's see. TJ with 10 Ys says Gaskin over 100 yards on the ground. Marcos Vieira says Noah scores on a punt return. Oh, Noah Igbenogany returning punts. Oh, I could get into that. Anybody but Jakeem Grant at this point. Uh, at Turo23 says Dolphins will have a double digits win over the Jets. I love it. Uh, at DP06251 says Parker goes for 150 yards and two touchdowns and Gase is signed to a lifelong deal. Ah, oh, I love it. The Jets are so pleased with the trouncing that the Dolphins hand them that, that they extend him for life as head coach. Love it. Uh, Lex Diamond 7 says Fitz in the defense duplicating last week's performances. Kyle says Van Ginkle pick six. Van Ginkle coming up. And let's see. Uh, at underscore all good says going to be Gaskin's first 100-yard rushing game. Getting some love for Miles Gaskin again this week. And uh, Everett says the Jets don't score a single touchdown. You can tell that Dolphin fans are riding high brain, and you know how you can tell? How's that? Not a single person said that Tua was going to see some game time in this one. Yeah, <laughs> everybody and, and is everybody is feeling good, and that's how you know that everybody's feeling pretty content with this Dolphins team right now. Yeah, and I don't I don't want to derail things and get into that whole Tua thing, but I'll I'll say this: like, if we go out there and we really blow the Jets' doors in, I mean, and Fitzpatrick plays really well, what really is the harm in putting Tua out there? 
If like let let's say we're in the fourth quarter and it's forty one to three. Well, yeah, then you trot out Tua and you you have him go out there and hand the ball off a bunch of times. Well, I mean, I wouldn't do that. I mean, you're you're putting in your backup quarterback. You might as well, and we're playing Tua. You might as well like, you know, have him throw a little bit. Um, yeah, but I I'm mean, just saying, like, if I get it, if Fitzpatrick's not playing well and. You put Tua in there in a get in some mop up duty, whether you're, you know, if you're behind big or you're, you're up big, but Fitzpatrick didn't have like some amazing game. And, and then Tua goes out there and he looks good for a series. Like, you know, maybe the media starts, you know, it turns into a circus with like, oh, it's a quarterback controversy. But if Ryan Fitzpatrick goes out there and he, th- he has like a near, perfect quarterback rating and the Dolphins are up by 30 points in the fourth quarter there's no quarterback controversy you're getting your starting quarterback out of a game where that it that is no longer in doubt and at the same time you're giving your future the future of your franchise not just your future quarterback the future of your franchise some some playing time some experience that he hasn't had because we didn't even have a preseason so I, I don't know, like, if I had one criticism of the game, well, that, no, my one criticism would be I'm kind of done with Jakeem Grant. But if I had a second criticism of the game last week, it would be that, you know, with a few minutes left to go and that game no longer in doubt and Ryan Fitzpatrick having had a monster game, felt like we could have seen Tua for a series. Yeah, it's possible. And I, and I would... Certainly goes so far as to say if the Dolphins have like a 41 to 3 lead at the end of the third quarter with an entire quarter left to play, yes, at that point, it's a little bit of a different situation. The game was not in hand, like firmly in hand to the point where they had no hope of coming back against San Francisco until pretty late on. In right, that but one. with so about five minutes left, the game was out of reach and it yeah, was still but- Fitzpatrick getting trotted out there. Yeah, but again, like, let again, me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. The Dolphins are trying to win now, right? We went over this whole thing with Le'Veon Bell. The Dolphins are trying to win now. Well, you're up by 26 points in the fourth quarter. What happens if Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hit and gets hurt when you're up by 26 points with a few minutes left in the fourth quarter? That's nope. not smart. Yeah, that's that, it's a it's a good plan. It's a good idea. And I think, like I said, I think if it happens again, I think at that point maybe you're more likely to see it. But then again, how often did Bill Belichick pull Tom Brady out of a game, even when the Patriots were blowing a team out? Ryan Fitzpatrick is not Tom Brady. No, of course not. But Bill Belichick was leaving Tom Brady out there. And he could have gotten hit. Of course, Tom Brady typically has a much better offensive line. Not to say that this offensive line is bad. This offensive line is good. Anyway, we're getting way off the rails because it's time to make a prediction for this game against the Jets. So you're suggesting that the Dolphins might have a 41-3 lead heading into the fourth quarter. So what is your prediction on this game? A game, by the way, we should mention because we haven't yet. It is the first time since Brian Flores has taken over as head coach of the Miami Dolphins that the Dolphins have been favorites going into a game. There you go. There you go. That's a stat. And that kind of speaks to the expectations that all of a sudden the Dolphins have expectations after that San Francisco game. And that's probably the the most important thing to come out of that win last week is that the Dolphins have expectations now. Um, and I fully expect them to just thrash the Jets in this game. I just... 
look, I, I hope that I'm right <laughs> uh, because it's going to be extremely disappointing and frustrating if the Dolphins find a way to not win this game. And frankly, to not win this game by at least double digits is going to be very concerning. But a win is a win. The Dolphins should win this game by at least 26 points this week. Or 29 points or however many points they won that that game uh, against San Francisco. This should be a blowout. This Jets team is worse than that San Francisco team. Even with all the injuries that San Francisco had, this Jets team is far worse. And the fact that we're going up against them and it looks like Mekhi Becton, their star left tackle, they had one good player on their offense. It was their rookie left tackle. And now he hasn't practiced all week and he looks like he's headed for a for a, uh, for a DNP. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean... Th- we we might I I agree with that one uh, with the with the one tweet that said the Dolphins give up zero touchdowns. I think that's going to be the case. I think the Dolphins win this game, forty four to three. They go up forty one to three. Tua comes into the game and leads a field goal drive in his first drive as a Miami Dolphin. Well, that would mean that the Dolphins would cover this nine and a half point spread. So, oh, pound good. the Dolphins! Yeah, nine and a pound half pound the spread. Dolphins and the and the points. That's what everybody is saying. Tease it, tease it. Get the Dolphins uh, minus seventeen. My Get God. some more bang for your buck. My goodness, my goodness. Uh, by the way, the, we, these numbers that we are providing you are for entertainment purposes only. So, brain says, would you say forty-four to three? Forty-four to three. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna one up you because at one point in this game against San Francisco, I, I got the itch, and it was, a, it was more, more of a hankering. Really, it was a hankering. I had a hankering for a burger, and not just any burger, a fifty burger, and I think that Dolphins are going to drop a 50-burger on the New York Jets. And they're going to drop that 50-burger on the, on, the, on the Jets this Sunday. The Miami Dolphins are going to defeat the New York Jets in resounding fashion. A humiliating defeat. And this has been my prediction. I thought it was going to happen in, in, in week 10 originally. But now it's happening in week six, I predicted that the Dolphins would defeat the Jets so in such a humiliating fashion that Adam Gase would have to find his own way home. And it's going to happen. Your Miami Dolphins are going to defeat the New York Jets by a score of 51 to zero. Kaboom. Shut them out. It's a shutout. It's a 50-burger. And it's Adam Gase's last game in charge. He's got to walk home. He's got to walk back to the Meadowlands. I love it. I love it. And then I'm going to say to Adam Gase, I'm going to call him up. I'm going to say, you good? You good? It's a beautiful thing. If you You haven't done so already, folks, make sure that you are following us on Twitter. The show is at Sam Old Dolphins. 
I am at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. That's A-A-Ron the Brain. We have a Facebook page, which many of you are liking, which I we, we, we appreciate. Thank you for engaging with us. It's Facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins. You can find every episode of the Same Old Dolphins show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere where you can get your podcasts. We invite you to subscribe and follow and rate us and review us. Take a few moments out of your time and leave us that positive rating and that positive review, particularly on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, helps us out a great deal. So thank you in advance for doing that. And thank you after the fact to everybody that has done it so far. We appreciate that very much. And of course, every episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show is available on DolphinsTalk.com. It is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. So make sure that you are visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every single day. Brain, anything else that you want to say to the people before we say goodbye? I just like that you dropped an Eric Reed kaboom on us. Listen, listen, Eric Reed had a hell of a run this year with the Miami Heat. They had a hell of a run this year. Team overachieved by anybody's definition. And this is a team that has got some big plans for the next couple of years. An exciting time to be a Miami Heat fan, I'll tell you what. Kaboom. Kaboom. As always, thank you for listening to the same old Dolphin show. We look forward to recapping a beautiful game against the New York Jets right here on this show uh, Sunday evening or Monday evening. It'll be in your earballs early next week. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! F the Jets. Ha!